Before I get into my message, I'd like to take a moment and express my appreciation to John Witte and to Michelle Jeck. Um, after speaking a couple of weeks at our downtown campus, I was supposed to be back here speaking last weekend on Thanksgiving weekend, but my wife experienced a medical emergency. Uh, she ended up being in the hospital all last week, and um, it just it was hard. Uh, my kids were in town, and it was just one of those weird weeks, and so uh, I'm grateful for those of you who knew about it and, ex and lifted up prayers and expressed uh, you know, your, your willingness to help and to serve us during our time of need. I want to thank you for that. But I do want to thank uh, Witty and Michelle for rearranging their Thanksgiving weekend on short notice <laughs> uh, to lead such an inspiring service. And so uh, I just want to thank them and thank you guys as well. Yeah. <clears throat> now, today I want to talk with you about who we are as a church and where we are going and your part in it. I want to talk with you about a new thing. Now, a new thing, is, it's like Christmas is the right time to talk about new things, right? And uh, I knew Barbara was feeling better when she got home from the hospital when she wanted to help me decorate our house for Christmas. Because around our house, it's like, it's, like a, it's an all-day ordeal. And so I got the boxes out, and she wanted to help, and so we did it. We got our house all decorated for Christmas. And, and while we were doing it, I came across a couple of pictures that made me think about the families who have little kids. Because, you know, Christmas is especially fun for little kids. And, and I think you can tell a lot about a child by the way a child reacts the first time the child meets Santa, right? Like, for instance, this is a picture of me when I first met Santa, I mean, it tells a lot, doesn't it? A thoughtful dialogue, provocative conversation, well-negotiated Christmas presents, right? This is a picture of Barbara when she first met Santa. <laughs> Sheer terror, irritated Santa, probably got crummy presents that year, right? Yeah, I'm going to pay for that one when I get home. Now, a big part of celebrating this season involves various Christmas gatherings. And I want you to think for a moment. If you could invite anybody to your Christmas celebration, anyone in the world, who would you invite? Maybe a famous leader or a famous athlete, Tim Duncan, or maybe a famous actor, actress, something like that. Or maybe you would invite someone who's made this world a better place. Or maybe someone who has made a big impact in your life. Well, back when God sent his son into this world and he began a new thing, he miraculously invited some unexpected guests to his Christmas celebration. I mean, think about it. Of all of the details that we could have discovered about Jesus' childhood, why did God want us to know about these unexpected invitations? I mean, all of the things I'd like to know about Jesus' childhood, like how did his potty training go? What about the terrible twos? What were his first words? We don't know nothing about it. But God wanted to make sure we knew about these unlikely invitations to his Christmas celebration. Why is that? Why, why did God want us to know about 
these stories, I think it's because through these unlikely guests, God is speaking a message to us. He's speaking a message about his son's new thing. So the first unlikely people God invited were some shepherds. This is recorded in Luke chapter 2. It says, and there were some shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now you must understand how surprising it would have been to Luke's audience to discover that God miraculously invited shepherds to witness the birth of his son. In the first century, being a shepherd was considered one of the least desirable jobs because, you know, they worked with sheep. And in fact, because of what they did for a living, they were considered ceremonially unclean, religiously, meaning they, they could not even participate in temple worship. So it was like, because of what they did for a living, they couldn't even go to church. And then on top of that, in the first century, shepherds had notorious reputations as liars and thieves, so much so that they were not even allowed to give testimony in court. Shepherds were social outcasts. They were moral drifters. They were religious wanderers. And yet God invited them to experience the new thing. The second group of people God surprisingly invited were some magi who many of us know as the wise men. Their story is recorded in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, that's Iran, Iraq area, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Well, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. <clears throat> when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now again, you would have to understand how shocked Matthew's audience would have been, his Jewish audience, that God would miraculously invite Magi to meet his son. For over 600 years, Magi served as cultic priests and political advisors to kings from Babylon and Persia. And they carried these sticks around with them that they used for fortune telling. And then they, they used the stars to, to predict the future, all practices forbidden by God in the Old Testament. And yet God miraculously invited them to his Christmas celebration to experience a new thing. 
I mean, inviting shepherds and magi in the first century would be as shocking as inviting gang members and Buddhist, pre- Buddha, Buddha, Buddhist priests, not Judas priests, Buddhist priests, <laughs> and Muslim clerics would be in our day. So why did God do it? Why did God do it? We see the answer to that question in the message spoken by the angel in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read it again. He said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For all people. God invited the shepherds and the magi because the new thing, Jesus' new thing, brought good news for all people, not just good Jewish people, not for just good people, not for just religious people. The shepherds were social outcasts. The magi were religious pagans from far, far away. Jesus brought good news even for them. The new thing that Jesus initiated offers great joy for all people. Those who feel far away, those who feel lost, Those who feel like God could never love them, he brought good news even for them. And so I want you to know that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter how far away you think you've gone, the good news, the new thing that Jesus brought, it will give you, it will bring you great joy. And then Jesus entrusted his new thing to us. City church matters. City church matters because we exist so all people can believe and thrive in Christ. Now, many of you know that this year, City Church celebrated our 25th anniversary. And uh, I have to be honest with you, all right? I'll be honest with you. This has been the hardest year in our 25-year history as a church. The departure of our founding pastor has caused some significant challenges to overcome. And we have overcome them. It's now time to move forward. And we are excited about creating a new thing together. Let me see if I can explain what I'm talking about. Two years ago, we received a prophetic word from the Lord about City Church. Now, if you're not familiar with prophetic words, it's, it's when sometimes you get a word through a person, sometimes you get it through a dream, sometimes you get a prophetic word just like from the scriptures where you sense strongly that God is saying something to us that's significant for today. And that prophetic word that we received came from the Old Testament book of Isaiah Recorded in Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19, and it says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When we received that word two years ago, it prepared us for what would happen. But again, if I could be honest for you, there's none of us knew what was going to happen. And so we stand on God's promise that he is doing a new thing. 
Okay, we got that? It's his new thing. It's not our new thing. We get a chance to participate in it. It's his new thing. And the new thing is about a man and a movement. When God's son became flesh, he came to save the world from our sins. He lived the life that no one could live, and then he died the death that no one could imagine. He became the perfect lamb of God, a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, the man, did what only he could do. He became the savior of all people. But Jesus not only came as a man to do the Father's will, he also came as a leader to start a movement. I mean, think about it. That's why he gathered followers and he trained them and he empowered them and he sent them out. If, I want you to get this. If Jesus only came as a man to do his Father's will, which was to, uh, to save the world from our sins, he didn't need any followers. He could have done all of that by himself. But he not only came as a man to do his father's will, he came as a leader to start a movement. And he entrusted that movement to us. And that movement, it engages us to gather together as the body of Christ to worship him, to grow and thrive in life so that we can go out and scatter as the body of Christ to serve a hurting world. We serve a world that is thirsty for salvation, for healing, for reconciliation, for restoration, for revival, for purpose in life. We serve a world that is hungry to know true hope, true joy, true peace. We serve a world that is desperate to experience radical love. And we play a crucial role as a part of this movement in the city we all love. And I want to talk with you about where we are going as a church and your part in this movement. Now, when you came in, you should have received a card, a little card that says new thing. Does everybody have cards? Why don't you pull them out? I'm going to walk you through this card for the rest of my talk. And on that card, uh, you'll see on the, the side that says a new thing, you'll see a little statement under it. I'm going to talk to you about that. Now, for the last several months, some of our pastors have prayerfully revised our guiding vision to reflect the new thing that God wants to do through us. And on the cards, you will see our revised purpose statement, which says, City Church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Christ. Can you say that with me? City Church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Christ. And I want us to really feel this guiding vision. City Church exists for all people, not just church people. We have never been and we will never be a church just for church people. City Church exists for shepherds and magi. City Church exists for people that don't get church and don't go to church. City Church exists for the messed up and the jacked up, for the confused and the hurting, for the skeptics and the agnostics. And that characteristic, it has always been true of us and it will not change. Together, we create the kind of grace culture that makes this movement attractive to people who are seeking 
the one that they don't know, the son of the living God, our savior, the savior of all people. And together we create that culture. And a church like ours, it is crucial for people like Danny. Now, Danny grew up in San Antonio. And as a young man, he got involved with gangs. Well, as he became an adult, he ended up coming onto our campus. He came here with his girlfriend and their young child. And I remember that over the months, he was sort of an outgoing guy, and I got to meet him and talk with him uh, for a while. And then after about four months, he asked if he could speak with me privately. And so we made our way into one of the rooms in the Kid City building, and he pulled me aside and he said, look, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. And I said, well, how can I pray for you? He said, well, I need to explain something to you. I'm in the Mexican mafia. I'm a part of organized crime. And I've been coming to church, you know, for about three or four months. And I know the right thing for me to do is to get out. And he said, so I I need you to pray for me because this week I'm going to ask to get out. And I thought, okay, well, that's nice. And he said, no, you don't understand. They don't let you out. He said, when I ask to get out, they may kill me. But he said, I know it's the right thing. And, and I'm like, okay, they didn't teach this class in seminary. <laughs> and man, I prayed like I've never prayed in my life. Like this dude was going to put his life on the line to do the right thing to follow the way of Christ. And I just said, oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God. This... He's expressing his faith in you. He's putting his life on the line. And so, Lord Jesus, I know that you can stretch out your hand and protect him. I know that you can control the thoughts and the the decisions of all people. And I ask that you you would show favor on Danny in the eyes of those who make decisions. And I didn't see him for two weeks, three weeks. And man, I I, I mean, I pray for him the whole time. That's one of those prayers you just keep praying every day. Well, about four weeks later, I saw him out in the plaza. And he came up to me, he had a big smile, and he said, hey man, your, your prayers work, your prayers work. They let me out. And it's critical to have a church like this where people like Danny feel safe to hear about Jesus, the Savior of all people, and feel safe enough to open up about their junk. Where else could he go? But we're not only a church for those who never went to church. We're a church for people who grew up in church but either got hurt by church or got tired of being in a church that's more focused on what they're against instead of what they're for. And we're also a church for people who just aren't sure what they think about God, aren't sure what they think about Jesus, not sure what they think about the church. And if that's you, I want you to know you're welcome here. This is a safe place for you to explore our faith. And you know what? You can ask your hardest questions. It's okay with us. It really is. But we're also a church for mature, growing believers who long to invest their lives in a church that is actually reaching lost people and seeing them trust Christ and get baptized. City Church exists so all people can believe in Christ. Now, at City Church, we believe in what is called free grace theology. That means we believe people get right with God by his free grace through faith in Jesus. It's by faith, 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 
in Jesus, 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 period. We don't get right with God by doing religious rituals. Now, there's nothing wrong with religious rituals. We practice some religious rituals, but they don't make us right with God. And we don't get right with God by doing good deeds. I hope you do lots of good deeds. We're going to encourage you to do good deeds, but that's not what makes you right with God. And you don't get right with God by getting your act together. I hope you get your act together, and we hope to help you get your act together. But that's not what makes you right with God. According to the Apostle Paul, this is how you get right with God. This is Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not, a, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. People get right with God when they believe in his son, period. And that's free grace. That's what we teach here. And here's why the simplicity of this free grace is so important. Now, throughout this year, we have baptized 398 people who have expressed their faith in Jesus Christ. And I've heard one exciting story after another. One story really stuck out to me. It involves a person who got baptized at our last baptism. And this is what happened. His brother invited him to church that week. And he had been in prison for a long time for doing something really bad. The brother never told us what he did. But that week, his brother got out of prison. And he invited his brother to this church. And it just so happened that that week, Pastor John Pyle was delivering a message of free grace. And we were doing baptisms. And on that day, that brother who left prison that week heard the offer of free grace, recognized how much he needed Jesus, believed in him and got baptized that day. And according to the scriptures, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, member of the Mexican mafia, ex-prisoner, whatever, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass away, and what comes? New things. Folks, City Church exists so all people can believe in Christ and thrive in Christ. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in this church for almost 20 years as a pastor, as a leader. So I'm saying something about myself. I believe we've done a great job with the first part of that, leading people to believe in Christ. I don't think we've done that great of a job at the second part of that, which is leading people, teaching people, guiding people, mentoring people, helping people learn how to thrive in Christ. And we're going to do better. For the past several months, we've unpacked, I've, I've worked with some pastors to unpack what Jesus you know, said about thriving in life. That's why we did the series we did on the Sermon on the Mount. And what I, what I believe is that the more like God we become, the more we thrive in, in life. And we've landed on uh, some, uh, I call them behavioral values that I believe will help us to thrive in Christ. And that's that's what's underneath our purpose statement that's on your card. I, I just want to unpack these for a little bit. Next week, I'm going to unpack these more. But I, I want you to, to understand where we're going as a church. Because I'm going to be challenge you, challenging you to commit to these behavioral values. 
The first one is to radically love. I'm asking you to radically love all people. It's easy to love the people that are easy to love, right? But radical love loves all people. Radical love loves those who are hard to love. Radical love loves even those who have hurt us. And this is a community of faith that believes and we are going to practice radical love. Secondly, I'm asking you to courageously connect. That means stepping out of your comfort zone and connecting with people in a meaningful way. And again, that's, this is a part of thriving. I'm just being honest with you. I don't think we've done a very good job with as a church. And so this is a part of the new thing for us. In 2018, our biggest goal, our major goal as a church and my largest goal as your leader is to see that everyone gets connected to someone. And if you're already connected to someone in a meaningful relationship, then stay committed. But to help those who have not gotten connected, we're going to start city groups in 2018. Some of these will center around stages of life, some around spiritual growth, some around uh, serving opportunities, some around common interests like sports or fitness or crafting, whatever. Some will, uh, will center around life issues like marriage, parenting, finances, or maybe military families who want to support each other when, when family members get deployed. I'm asking that everyone courageously connect with someone in 2018. And again, I'm going to talk more about this next week. Toward that goal, I want to identify people who are willing to lead or host one of these city groups. Now, you don't have to be an expert in anything. You just need to be willing to courageously connect yourself and to help others in your group courageously connect. If you're willing to lead or you have questions or you have an idea for a group, stop by the middle pavilion at the end of the service and we'll be glad to facilitate your group. I'm asking you to radically love, courageously connect, and enthusiastically create. And this is what I mean by that. You were designed by God, our creator, as a creative person to take your gifts, your abilities, your passions, and make this world a better place. And the more you get engaged with your purpose in life, the more you make this world a better place and the more you thrive personally. I'm going to talk more about that one next week. And then finally, I'm asking you to sacrificially give. Specifically, I'm asking you to tithe, which means to give 10%. You will find the principle of giving 10% throughout the scriptures as a part of a healthy relationship with God. And when you sacrificially give, Jesus promises that God will bless you in response. And I ask you to give your tithe here with confidence because I really believe we're doing a decent job continuing the movement that Jesus began. City church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Christ. We exist for people like Laura. Laura grew up in our city in an abusive home. She ended up becoming addicted to drugs. That led her into homelessness. 
She got into prostitution to feed her habit, which landed her in jail several times. Well, her sister invited Laura to city church. She felt that she could fit in here. Isn't that cool? And so here she experienced radical love. Here she heard the message of free grace, that her sins could be forgiven, that she could have a fresh start, that the old things could pass away and that new things could come. And so she put her faith in Jesus Christ. She got baptized. She got involved serving on our connection team. Along the way, she met a great young man. They got married and he became like a lay minister and they're now serving in another part of our city. But the change in her story, it began here. This church did not save her. I wanna make sure I'm clear about that. Jesus saves. But we did provide a safe community of grace where she had time to learn about the one we call our savior, Jesus Christ, and to believe in him and she's now thriving in him. City Church exists for people like the shepherds and the magi. City Church exists for people like Danny and Laura. And I'm asking you to commit to this movement. And so over the next three weeks, I'm going to be asking you to commit using these cards. On the front side, you have our purpose statement and what I'm asking you to commit to. On the back, you have the verse that has the word that was given to us. But if you notice on the bottom part, you can tear it off. And if you're willing to commit, this is what I'm asking you to do. Write your name on the front where I can read it, please. Because on the back, here's what I'm committing to. I am committing to pray for every person who commits by name. And if on the back there's a special need, a prayer request that you want me to pray, you write it out. Again, try to write it so I can, I can read it. And I will pray with all of my heart for you. And when you're willing to commit or you're ready to commit, you just put your name here, tell me how I can pray for you. And some of the other pastors are going to pray for you too. Then you tear it off. And in this auditorium, if we have pins all up here at the front of the stage, you can come up and, and make your commitment today and just leave the cards on the stage. If you're watching in the video cafe, you can do the same there. There's, there's pins in the front of the video cafe and you can make your commitment to this movement. And so let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll make our ways home, all right? Lord Jesus, it is, it's so humbling to know that as the Son of God, the one who is risen from the dead, the one who is the Savior of all people, the one who began this great church movement 2,000 years ago, that you care about us and are part of the movement. And so Jesus, I just, as a leader of these people, I say we are going to do our best to reflect your love, your grace, your purity, your holiness here uh, in this church. And we're gonna do our best to do our part to see that this movement moves forward. And so we ask for your guidance, for your spirit, and for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.